You're listening to Doc Talk with your host, that's me, Dr. Adam Nelly. Listen and learn as we take complex health topics and make them clear, understandable, and applicable to your life. My desire is that you find the answers to the burning questions that you have, answers that will get you back on track, improve your health, and let you be who you are meant to be. Whatever your reason, thank you for being here. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome to episode seven. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, I thought I'd start out today by talking about a news flash that came out a couple days ago in regards to levothyroxine, one of the thyroid drugs that we use for hypothyroidism. Um, the FDA issued a, an announcement on Thursday, the 3rd, uh, stating that they found that the drug may be subpotent. Now, this is not all forms of levothyroxine. This is just the branded uh, the, or the company that makes the tyrosine generic brand, uh, IBSA Pharma is the company that does that. And they stated that they, quote, had a voluntary recall uh, as initiated, was initiated because of the lot, some of their lots may be subpotent. Um, this is interesting because this is now the fourth time that thyroid medication has been pulled off the market in various components. And uh, it gets to be a challenge for everybody. This does not mean that that's all of the manufacturers. There are seven different manufacturers of levothyroxine in the generic form that uh, various pharmacies will use to dispense when we write for these. Uh, the uh, This tyrosine brand and specific lot numbers apparently were subpotent and not as effective. I'm not quite sure what that means or how long they'll be off the market. And it's strange that they've had all these, these changes that occur. Um, but I'll keep you posted if there's anything else uh, interesting that comes about with this. Uh, either way, you should be noted by, notified by your pharmacy if you happen to have one of the lot numbers that was subpotent. Uh, hopefully that won't be a lot of changes to a lot of people's medications, but I uh, wanted to give you a heads up on that. So during the month of February, our office is focusing on muscle maintenance or maintaining your muscle. Uh, it's one of the things that I see that occurs over time with a lot of patients who are in the aging process, right? Let me rephrase that. As we age, we see muscle loss uh, with our, with both men and women, more predominantly with women, but often with men too, uh, as we age. And so one of the questions that we're addressing this month and we're going to be focusing on with our patients and on in our social media sites is you're going to see us talk a lot about muscle. Uh, and that's kind of the theme for, for February is maintaining your muscle mass and whatever muscle mass that may be and how best to do that. Um, I thought I would start that off by talking about uh, a question that arises all the time with me. You know, do do you do high fat? Do you do high protein? Do you do low protein? What's really ketogenic? Uh, what's really carnivorous? Um, it's a daily question I get asked by my patients and those on the internet. Um, it relates to, you know, maintaining your muscle and burning fat. Uh, another question that's asked related to that is, do I have to limit the calories uh, and fat that I eat to burn my own body fat? You know, and if I'm limiting calories, am I also in protein? Those are the questions that arise. It seems that everybody has a different, a different opinion. Uh, on this question. And if you talk to a few people, they've got two or three opinions. Uh, it's interesting if you put doctors in a room and you got five doctors in a room, you'll get 10 opinions. Uh, very few of these opinions are grounded in actual science of weight loss as you read them throughout the internet though. And I hear a lot of coaches and trainers and even a number of physicians argue and rant about the need to cut calories in order to lose fat. However, it's interesting that most of my patients over the 20 years I've been in practice who cut their calories by 200 to 1,000 calories a day uh, still are unsuccessful in losing body fat. They may increase their exercise by 400 to 600 calories a day, uh, and they still don't see weight loss. Uh, this is the same crazy, ineffective instruction we've been given for over 50 years. 
Uh, to be honest, there's a percentage of people in the fitness world and in the modeling world in which this dogma of calorie restriction will be effective because they have normal exercise or they have normal insulin levels and they exercise regularly or pretty intensively. Uh, however, for the average person, uh, the other 85% of the population that I see who work over 40 to 80 hours, have high stress, have children, have families, serve in our churches, uh, have occasional so social lives, uh, myself included, this type of dogma really never worked and it still doesn't work. Um, now, if you or I were paid uh, to exercise two hours a day and take butt selfies on and post them on Instagram, uh, it might be a little easier, but most of us have lives and we have to live. Uh, you'll probably lose 20 pounds if you cut your calories. And I commonly see that. And that's the argument that arises. Well, I lost 20 pounds. You will, of course you will. Uh, however, what's interesting when you start doing chronic calorie restriction is we see, we see a drop in testosterone by up to 50%. Uh, and we'll, and I will actually see um, a doubling of the sex hormone binding globulin, which changes the way your body's able to handle the free testosterone. And then over time, you're going to see your basal metabolic rate drop because your, your thyroid will literally slow down. Uh, and, and that's often permanent. Uh, so I will see a lot of people that have come to me that will have lost weight by calorie restriction. And a year or two later, they've got significant hypothyroidism. And we have to put them on drugs like levothyroxine, which we just talked about a minute ago. Uh, it makes it, this makes it nearly impossible to lose beyond that 20-pound mark with calorie restriction. And about 99% of those patients will regain all their weight, plus a little bit two, two years later. Uh, nobody ever talks about that stuff, do they? Uh, so for if you want to see success in weight loss, there's a couple principles that we want to address specifically. Uh, first, insulin has to be kept at a baseline. Uh, this is the principle I talk about all the time. You'll hear me talk about it over and over again because when I when people come into me and they're saying, I'm not seeing success, we have to go back to the basics. Uh, the, the basics, number one, is you've got to get insulin levels at its baseline. Now, insulin is a, is a primary hormone of the 40 different hormones that cause weight gain or weight loss, but it seems to be the master hormone. And if insulin is being overproduced or uh, is in overproduction because you are insulin resistant or pre-diabetic or diabetic, you've got to get that number back down or you won't see, you won't see that weight move. 85% of the people that walk through my office have um, insulin resistance. And so we've got to, we've got to address that and that's why I wrote the whole, my book, The Keto Cure. Uh, I wrote a whole book about it and uh, you can link to the to the, um, look at the, in the show notes and there'll be a link to that book. If you're interested in reading, if you haven't got a copy of it. Now, the second principle that's important to understand, or I guess the second hormone I want to talk about today is, uh, that of glucagon. It's a counteractive hormone that keeps your blood sugar from bottoming out. So when your body produces insulin, your blood and, and your, and you, and you use it, uh, use the sugar that the insulin's helping you to absorb, your blood sugar starts to fall. Now, uh, glucagon actually stimulates fat burning and it actually is stimulated in intermittent fasting and it's stimulated through ketogenic and carnivorous type diets. And it occurs, it's produced when the blood sugar drops below 70 milligrams per deciliter or 3.9 millimoles per liter for those of you across the pond. Um, and this release of glucagon stimulates the release of free fatty acids from the fat cells. Now, it's interesting that a lot of patients who are following a ketogenic diet who are overweight uh, and their insulin levels are staying high complain that they're not losing weight. And it's often because they're not getting those fasting sugars down. Uh, if, you're, if you are producing enough insulin and you're cheating intermittently with your starch intake uh, and you're keeping that blood sugar higher and the insulin staying higher and that 
it never drops down below 70, you're going to see less weight loss because you're not, and you're not incorporating the use of glucagon into your diet. So this is where, so intermittent fasting occurs. It doesn't have to be longer than 24 hours. You're just dropping that blood sugar down low enough to you can, where you can stimulate glucagon periodically and, and open up those fat cells more efficiently. Third uh, principle is that of two different hormones uh, called epinephrine and norepinephrine. Now, when the blood sugar drops below 67, remember, glucagon was below 70. Norepinephrine and epinephrine, when the blood sugar drops below 67, uh, or 3.7 millimoles per liter, for those of you over on the, the uh, other side of the pond as well, um, exercise lowers that blood, the blood sugar to this level frequently. So that's why a lot of people exercising regularly are going to see more effective weight loss, not because of the exercise itself, but because it's lowering, it's actually lowering the blood sugar and you're engaging epinephrine and norepinephrine, which then allow for the fat cells to open up and dump out uh, triglyceride and free fatty acids. Uh, Exercise also has releases three other myokines from the muscle. These are actually proteins that the muscle releases that actually stimulate uh, weight gain. And we'll talk about that on another another podcast because the myokines are really cool. And this is information we've just learned about in the last few years. The fourth principle that's essential to understand is that of growth hormone. Now, growth hormone stimulates and preserves muscle tissue, and it has a suppressive effect by itself on the muscle tissue. One of the reasons uh, that I've started incre- having patients increase their protein, initially we, we had patients use baseline proteins to maintain muscle mass, but what we've learned in the last few years, and the bodybuilders, bodybuilders have been telling us this for years, we just haven't listened to them, uh, is that when you actually increase your protein intake uh, to about 90 grams per day or higher in women, and roughly about 150 grams or higher uh, per, with men per day, roughly one gram of protein per pound of body weight is what we tell people. Uh, this actually stimulates growth hormone by itself, and growth hormone actually has a suppressive effect in uh, on insulin itself. Uh, recent research demonstrates that as you push that protein level up to that one gram per pound of body weight, um, you enhance muscle growth, you stabilize it, and you suppress insulin production further. So if you're horribly overweight and your insulin levels are running high, um, Taking in more protein and less starch with ex- and then adding exercise stimulates these this 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 uh, triad or quadrat of, of of hormones to help you lose weight more effectively. Now, contrary to what media says about protein sources, not all proteins absorb the same way. When it comes to absorption, it's uh, in the human gut. Uh, and by the human metabolism, it's essentially to understand a couple of things. Number one, um, egg protein is utilized utilized by about fifty percent of the human gut. Um, meat protein. Uh, if you're talking about red meat or pork or uh, chicken, fish, turkey, things of that nature, uh, that that protein is utilized about 40% or 40% of it's absorbed well in the gut. Cheese protein, it's about 35 to 40%. Whey protein uh, is only 18%. And vegetable-based protein, these pea proteins and things like that, they're only about 14% absorbed in, in the gut. So so your protein source is important. And so that's why I'm, I emphasize really heavily using real food. Uh, if you want to use a protein powder, that intermittently, that's fine. But if, if protein powder is your primary source of protein, you're, you're missing the boat. You really need to be using real protein. Um, lastly, the release of fat from your fat cells is mediated by another hormone as well uh, called natriuretic peptide. And this occurs through a, a cyclic GMP pathway. And then catecholamines and prostaglandins and nicotinic acid are released. Uh, there's, that's, a, that's a whole science thing. And, there's, and I actually wrote a blog post about this. So if you want to ch- check out the, the, uh, the blog post on geek, geek Out on all the science stuff, it's there on, the, on my blog. Um, but these are major regulators of uh, lipolysis, the catecholamines and the natriuretic peptides. Um, fatty acid release 
from fat cells triples when you're pushing your catecholamines and your natriuretic peptides through the system. Um, now, interestingly enough, catecholamines um, are released through exercise, uh, stimulants, and good stress. And natriuretic peptides are stimulated by sh- the presence of short-chain fatty acids or ketones. So as you shift into a ketogenic state, you release more natriuretic peptide. And as you're s- stimulating good good types of stress like exercise, uh, things of that nature, catecholamines released. Uh, one of the stimulants that we use is uh, fentramine for appetite suppression. It actually stimulates catecholamines as well. And so that's why a lot of people see success with the use of that that drug as we if we add it on for weight loss. Um, Anyway, that's those are the those are the keys there uh, to understanding that the take home message essentially is this: uh, for effective long term weight loss, uh, you you can't do it by calorie restriction. You have to do it by understanding the, these five or six hormones and how the use of protein, uh, intermittent fasting, but adequate protein and exercise uh, play a huge role. So uh, hopefully, it gives you a little snippet of info for your podcast today. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, check us out here on the next podcast. If you're new to this process and you need a copy or you need to know how to to, uh, use a ketogenic or carnivorous diet, go to my website at www.docmuscles.com forward slash diet page, D-I-E-T-P-A-G-E. And uh, you can get a a copy of my uh, ketogenic diet. It'll give you the basics on how to get started. It'll give you a download page for uh, uh, the the average protein contents of food. So you can calculate up how much protein you need. Uh, by ounces or by, by weight uh, and that'll give you a good idea there so go check that out on my website again docmuscles.com forward slash diet page and you can find a copy of my diet there if you are interested in more personal instruction and information on any of these topics discussed here go to docmuscles.com forward slash membership to learn more and sign up to be a part of my health and coaching services it only takes a couple of minutes to learn more about your health again that's docmuscles.com forward slash membership if you have a question that you'd like discussed on Doc Talk, I'd love to answer it. I cannot give individual advice or recommendations, but we can answer the question in an educational format and give you some tools to make educated decisions about your health. If you have a question, email it to questions at docmuscles.com. Again, that's questions at docmuscles.com, D-O-C-M-U-S-C-L-E-S.com.